This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. All right, welcome to another edition of the Purple Podcast. This one, the post-game show, Vikings 23, Philadelphia 21. And joining us now from the city of brotherly love, where I'm sure everything was very special today and no beers were hurled, our friend Matthew Collar. How are you, sir? And what was your, your reaction to a game that at one point I thought actually might be, if not one-sided, not all that interesting? And then, of course, in typical Viking fashion, it became in the second half interesting. Yeah, well, first of all, I uh, survived with no full beers thrown at me on the way in. So uh, everything was fine. In fact, it seemed a lot calmer outside uh, when I walked in than it was for the NFC Championship game. But uh, my reaction to this was that the Vikings finally started to look like what we expected the Minnesota Vikings to look like, especially when it came to how their defensive line affected Carson Wentz today, that uh, Stephen Weatherly stepped up and did his best impression of Everson Griffin, causing a you know strip sack that turns into a Linval Joseph touchdown. And to come through in those big times to help this team actually get ahead and play from ahead, we haven't really seen that since the game against San Francisco in, in week one. And then they're able to do just enough to hang on, and there were certainly a lot of mistakes along the way. They let Carson Wentz come up with some big plays and some big drives that – you know, ultimately the Eagles fumbled away but finished some of them to keep them in a game that they really shouldn't have been in. And, you know, maybe last year's Vikings team uh, shuts a team down when they get up 20-6 to six and there isn't any chance of a comeback. But, you know, you're playing a pretty darn good quarterback and a pretty good team. So they get back into this game and then the Vikings are able to finish. So it reminded me for the first time really all year of – 2017 and then what what didn't remind me of 2017 were some of the throws that Kirk Cousins made that his team <laughs> yes. would, would just not have been capable of and it was a phenomenal phenomenal game from Kirk Cousins aside from the whatever you want to call it the lateral the fumble uh, whatever I mean that that didn't work but aside from that I mean 30 for 37 big numbers big completions uh, I'm sure he would have liked to have finished a few more drives in the end zone instead of asking the kicker to make kicks because that's never a good idea when you play for the Minnesota Vikings. But aside from that, I mean, 
the throw to Thielen where he drops it right in over into the end zone. The other throw to Thielen for 65 yards is just an incredible throw with a man in his face. And the offensive line did everything they possibly could. They still got beat, of course, a bunch of times, but they yep. did everything they possibly could to give him just enough time. And from John D. Filippo's standpoint, um, he really showed why he's an offensive coordinator, not a quarterback's coach anymore, because his game plan right from the get-go was excellent to get the ball out quick to Stephon Diggs and get some yards that way and almost use those quick passes as a running game. So, you know, from, from top to bottom, this was, a, a win that they really, really needed, and I think their most complete win of the year. Are we going to see a run game, or, or is this it? I mean, in some ways, I think, like, who cares? I mean, if you're putting up points, and you're putting up huge yardage totals, yep. and you're able to hit on, on big plays, and if you're going to use short passes and screens and quick screens to Stephon Diggs and let him act like Cordero Patterson did in 2016, if, if that's the way you're going to approach it, then go ahead if that's the, the best thing that works for you without Delvin Cook in the lineup. And I don't know whether he's going to be coming back next week or whether this hamstring is just going to linger and linger and he's going to have to be on a pitch count sometimes or how that's going to work. I, I think if you have Delvin Cook in there, he can break more tackles, he can find more space and give you a reasonably decent running game. I I think at this point they only need to run just enough to make teams still bite on play action. That, that's the only reason they still need to call run plays. Though I, I did think that they came in with a good approach with run plays to try and get them outside when they did do them. Mm-hmm. You know, Rock Thomas got, got quite a bit of work, and I think that, that was probably why is because he's got the best vision in, in terms of finding holes when he gets to the outside and Latavius Murray isn't necessarily strong at that. So I thought they, they took the right approach. It's just that this defensive line was not going to let you run today. So they did just enough to be able to do some play action here or there. But really, I mean, what they needed today was Kirk Cousins to step up big and make big throws, and he really, really did that on a number of occasions. How to uh, collar – how much do, do we have to go to, to the fact that if Cousins, it seems like we've gotten to the point now where if Cousins puts the ball in the vicinity of Diggs or Th- Thielen, it's going to be caught. It's remarkable to me. He literally, it seems like, has gotten to the point where, where the only way that those guys don't catch the ball is if it's airmailed straight over their heads. <laughs> How remarkable has this become? And, and I'm with you. He made great throws, too. But that being said, how remarkable has this become that those guys, for the most part, if you throw it in their area code, are going to catch it consistently? Yeah, I think I've run out of ways to describe how good they are, but I would say um, if anyone was questioning if Stefan Diggs was worth it, uh, he is. And if you're questioning whether Adam Thielen will be worth it when they sign him to a huge contract extension in the offseason, which I'm certain that they will, uh, he is worth the, the amount of money. I mean, it's it's not only that they catch everything; it's that they're always open, always, no matter who they're playing. <laughs> you're, yeah, I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't right. matter. And, and today, you're you're talking about an Eagles team that if it's going to succeed on defense, it has to hit the quarterback and cause turnovers. That's the only way they could, could succeed because their secondary is not good. And Malcolm Jenkins is still a good player, but the rest is not good at all. And if you're an Eagles fan thinking about winning another Super Bowl, that's going to be pretty darn tough with Jalen Mills in there and Ron Darby's not all that good and uh, McLeod was out today. I mean, this is just not a great 
secondary. And anytime you have Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen going against a team without a good secondary, they put up gigantic numbers. And as far as just these guys and the catches they make, that's the thing with Cousins is he's extremely accurate. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't even have to be all the time. <laughs> I mean, even if he misses by a little, it doesn't matter. And that the throw that... Doug Peterson challenge. Of course, all of us have it slow motion replay 50 times, and we're like, why did he challenge it? That catch is so outrageous that he challenged it. He thought, no way he made that catch. And yep. And it was three steps, though. He missed three steps. Yeah. No, he did. He got one, two, and then a third one in. And I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, maybe he thought that there was a bobble there, or I'm not sure why he challenged that one. But that catch was just insanity and and Thielen had one is just the same level of difficulty right off the bat in the first quarter that sets the tone and, and that's I mean, if you're Kirk Cousins yeah he got offered a little bit more money to go play for the Jets but I'm sure that he watched the tape of last season and said you know what I'm not going to go play for the Jets I'm going to go play for this team that has these two receivers and play three years with these guys and put up 5,000 yards a year and that's kind of where he's headed right now with the season so they just they perfectly complement each other and it's amazing because we you know we spend a lot of time talking about oh is the number three receiver good enough and things like that it just doesn't matter they throw these guys every play and they just get big chunks of yards and continue to catch everything and as long as they're healthy and 100 percent, this offense is extremely dangerous and now you feel like coming away with this win not letting it slip away at the end that this team is all of a sudden back on track, where it felt like everything was sort of slipping through your fingers. The defense it didn't seem right after the L.A. and Buffalo games. You know, Cousins with his fumbling issues, and still, you know, it, it was an issue because he should really throw that ball on the ground instead of flinging it backwards into a bad situation. So he did almost make another huge mistake after playing so well. But at, at the same time, now... You look at your upcoming games, and there's an opportunity. You kind of look at what's going on in the NFC North, where Green Bay is not that strong, and Detroit is not that strong either. Yep. And you start to feel a heck of a lot better about this season. And a major part of that is just the connection between Cousins and Thielen and Diggs is as good as we thought it could be. Offensive line-wise, what's the concern? Reef went out in the first half with that foot again. And as we've talked about quite a few times before, Kyler, Reef does not go out unless he is hurt and probably hurt bad. So Rashad Hill goes from right tackle, where he can certainly play. I don't think he's great, but he, he could play to the left spot, which is tough. O'Neal comes in and plays on the right side. Is there a fear that this might have to go on for a while now if Reef is lost? Yeah, it, it, that's going to be your alignment if it has to. And for the offensive line, I would say this, that I know when you look at those PFF grades that they're not going to be good. And when you look at those pressure numbers, they're not going to be good either tomorrow. But those guys had to battle their asses off to keep Kirk Cousins alive. I mean, that considering that Rashad Hill starts out as the right tackle, has to flip right over to left tackle, which is extremely difficult to do. He downplayed it after the game, but it's really tough to do. Mm-hmm. And then and then you're talking about O'Neal coming off the bench to face off with some of the best pass rushers in the NFL for an entire game. And there were times where I noticed him getting slammed back into the quarterback. Of course. We know, saw that too on Fox. Where, yes. Oh, yeah. Yep. And there were times where Rashad Hill was beat, and there were times where in the middle the pressure came, and there were times where Kirk Cousins took hits. And showed some toughness today, which uh, usually isn't allowed in the NFL. And I will say the call on Michael Bennett was preposterous and absurd. And I don't know what he's supposed to do. Uh, I mean, I, I've, that's how if you were a dad playing with your kid, you'd tackle your child to make sure he didn't get hurt. And mm-hmm. that's still 
ends up being a penalty. But for the for the most part, I mean, I I thought that they did the absolute best you could have hoped, and then they were helped out a lot by the game plan. All the players after the game, Rashad Hill, Stephon Diggs, they all credited John D. Filippo with loosening things up from the very beginning with quick passes and not giving many opportunities for that rush to hit Kirk Cousins right away, and it seemed to help them as the game went along. That's true West Coast, correct? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's there's so many different um, things that are mixed into every offense these days, but, like, using those wide receiver screens, I mean, that's that's a thing that goes back a long way, I think. Um, but... You know, it's it's one of the ways that you can get things going if the other team has a great pass rush. And I wrote about that, I think, on Thursday or Friday, where I did the, the film piece of what Tennessee did because the Eagles' defensive line was ripping them apart. But sometimes they go five wide to get the ball out quick and, and hope somebody makes a play. And that's the thing with Stephon Diggs that he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for, but we've seen it over the last couple of years is, I mean, if you're just taking one step and getting him the ball quick, he can make plays. And, mm-hmm. you know, also, I'm going to have to go back and look at it, but it helps to have Pat Elfline in there, somebody who can move at the center position. That That's, you know, an improvement for having him back for a second straight week. And you come in after being injured and have to face, you know, Aaron Donald and then Fletcher Cox. Not exactly the easiest for him. So, you know, I think that all of those guys deserve a lot of credit for this game, even though I know they won't be handed good grades that they – did about everything that they could do. And then the fact that Diggs was able to create big plays there, uh, that kind of helped slow down a little bit the Eagles' rush. Let's talk special teams. What is it with Vikings and to? kickers? What is going on with kickers? Well, not, not just this team, but around the, the league as well, in sight of the fact that um, Mason Crosby in Detroit had indoors a god-awful game. But, you know, Dan, you get Dan Bailey, right? And you think to yourself, okay, your kicking problems are solved. You get this guy from Dallas. He's a veteran. He used to be great. He had a groin problem in 2017, but now he's back, and he's going to be fantastic. And he goes out today and misses a 28-yarder and a 45-yard field goal. Now, he did make three, including one late in the game from 52 yards, so he rebounded nicely. But what the hell is going on with kickers and the Vikings? Uh, this sort of reminds me of like uh, when I was growing up, and uh, if you hit sixty or seventy percent of your kicks, you were like a pretty good kicker. Yes, it That's does. Kind of what we've seen. I mean, there's there's extreme haves and have-nots with the kicking situations, and I think we know what side the Vikings are still on, even though they have Dan Bailey. I mean, the guy was cut for a reason, and it wasn't just because that Dallas kicker is good. It's because last year he struggled, and he only hit seventy-five percent. Now. 75% almost feels good to Vikings fans at this point. But, uh, you know, the, the, the 40-something yarder was not too bad. It was just to the right. But to miss a 28-yarder was really shocking from somebody who's been around as long as he has. The one benefit you have from a veteran is that he can come back and make it from 52 and end the game. But, I mean, overall, once again, I mean, the punter, bad again. And, you know, field goals getting missed. I mean, this thing was a lot more nerve-wracking than it should have been yeah, for them. I agree it's, completely. Yes. Right. I mean, it, it really was. About how many times, how many times they drove down and put themselves in a great position and then right there for a chip shot field goal that they should have been racking up points. This should have been a blowout by halftime. And Philly didn't play well. They didn't play a good game. No, I mean, not at all. Especially, I mean, the first half, it was all Minnesota mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, even even the Eagles weren't really moving the ball. It wasn't the second half where they started to really move the ball. But in the first half, I mean, that game could have easily been, what, 26 
to to six. You make I your mean, field goals, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it could have really easily felt like a blowout at that point, but instead it felt like Philadelphia was still in the game, and then in the second half they proved they were still in the game. But I don't know what you do now. I mean, I don't. I joked that they should just apologize to Kai Forbath and bring him <laughs> back, but I mean, I I don't know what what's the odds that Kai Forbath or that Dan Bailey or whoever. I mean. What's the difference? They're kind of the same guy at this point. It's just bizarre, though. It's bizarre because I thought once Carlson was gone, okay, you've cleaned this up. And it's not that I expected Bailey to make every single field goal, but I sure as heck didn't expect him to go on a nice day where I don't think there was a ton of wind, unless I'm mistaken there. there I would have expected him to be, how can I put this, consistent, and you get two more missed field goals, which make things far more intriguing than they should have been. Yeah, and I mean, after the game, he just he didn't really have an explanation for what went wrong. He kind of just said that he had to clear it out of his mind and then go hit the other field goals, and that's what he ultimately did. So at least they got the one that mattered the most. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and and look, I mean, Kai Forbath, uh, I thought they should have just left him as their kicker. Not that anyone was mistaking him for Adam Vinatieri in his prime, but you know that he. Uh, was pretty solid, and the same thing for Ryan Quigley, and I, I think they overthought those decisions, but as far as where Dan Bailey's going to go from here, I mean, his history would say that that's uh, a blip on the radar, you know, what what happened here today, but every time he lines up, everyone at U.S. Bank Stadium next week, I'm sure, is going to be nervous as heck when the kicker goes out there again, and you're still going to deal with that and that's the thing about this team being a potential Super Bowl contender is there are still a lot of things that you have to wonder about whether they could still derail this thing I mean today was a huge win for getting this season back on track and there are a lot of NFC teams that look pretty questionable right and so you know that helps you NFC North doesn't look as strong as we thought that helps you but you know can you really win with this offensive line they got away with it today but you know, still allowing tons of pressure, hits on Kirk Cousins. Can you really win with special teams that are this bad if this continues to happen? Because it's it's going to cost you at some point. It's going right. to cost you with field goals. It already did in Green Bay with a couple field goals, and now your new field goal kicker isn't even that reliable either. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it does make you wonder if that's those are things that they're going to be able to overcome. And, you know, today they did, but I don't know if that's always going to be the case. I've got good news. We have confirmed that defensively, George Iloka lives. We saw George Iloka <laughs> playing defense today, I think quite a bit, but I was concerned. Now I'm not. N- number 23 does exist on the Vikings roster, and he was allowed to play defense on Sunday. Okay, so I, I thought that this would happen today because, A, they have two good tight ends in Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, and, B, I mean, it takes a while to learn a defense. I mean, George Iloka, he made a big deal of, oh, yeah, I know Zimmer's defense and all that, but that was years ago. I mean, the league has changed quite a bit, too. And, uh, you know, it's something like 800-page uh, uh, playbook or whatever, you know? I mean, it takes a, a long time. Those guys, you rarely see those guys who come in right before a season, except for maybe like a pass rusher like Khalil Mack, but that you're just pinning your ears back and going. But a lot of the other positions, you have to know all the different coverages and all the different checks and calls and everything else. I mean, that's that's not easy. But I think Vikings fans are thrilled to see him out there because that's kind of what needed to happen here, I think, was to, to use him more and, and see 
kind of what J. Ron Kearse can do in, in certain positions because having Mackenzie Alexander out there for every play was just not really going to work. Right. And I, and I think that, that we would be correct, that. Matthew. And, that would be correct. Yes, it would be correct. And, and we came in, you know, thinking that, you know, what will Zimmer do? What, how will he adjust? And, you know, one of the things he sent some pretty unique pressures. I'm excited to look at those on tape and see what happened there because there were times where Carson Wentz didn't have a whole lot of time. Harrison Smith got after Carson Wentz. And, and I looked this up. Harrison Smith had only rushed the passer two times before tonight. And then, wow. you know, I don't know how many times he did tonight, but he certainly memorably did on one that created a pressure, and he usually can when he does. So, mm-hmm. you know, I that that's that was kind of my guess for how he would resolve some of the issues is, you know, you don't have the same personnel as you did before, so maybe see how you can dial up different looks and different pressures and kind of do a little more of that. Usually he was just saving it for third down, and they were the best third down team in the league, but maybe – and I'm going to have to – just check on this and look at it for this week sure. on tape, but it, it certainly felt like that in the key parts of the game early on that there was a lot of pressure there. And I would also credit Stephen Weatherly too that uh, this is a guy they've believed in and they've kept and they've helped grow a lot. And all of a sudden he comes up with a big play, and that's what you expect from Everson Griffin week in and week out. You don't have him, so you need someone else to step up. And Stephen Weatherly was able to do that. That was so huge for them to have Weatherly put on the performance that he did. And Linval can run. Man, he's for a big guy. That was pretty impressive. Oh, I knew that. You knew that. I mean, No, but I mean to go that far. I I knew I knew in ten yard chunks he could, but he went that that return for a touchdown by him was sixty four yards. That's an impressive amount of ground to cover. Okay, yeah. Sixty four yards is a lot I knew he could go catch guys. I did not think Yes, that was impressive. This is a this is a guy though that I've seen run down running backs in pursuit. Where I know, but sixty four yards pass. is still impressive. It is, it is. But I, I think that the world the world found out exactly how fast Limbaugh Joseph is. But that's one of the things that makes him so unbelievably good at his mm-hmm. job is that a lot of those Jerry Ball types, uh, you know, just stop <laughs> Pat Williams. The but that that's that's not him. I mean, he's chasing people down. And, uh, you know, I thought he had a fantastic game. He gets the sack right from the very beginning. And the, the whole defensive line was really, really good. And you have to credit Daniel Hunter, too. Five sacks in five games. And not only that, but Daniel Hunter had to play every down. I mean, he had to be out there. I'll look at it. But I think he was out there for almost every single down, except for maybe a couple times they brought in Jalen Holmes. I mean, but yep. that was that was a heck of a performance for him because of just the amount – of pass rushing he had to do, especially because the Eagles are playing from behind, so they're throwing a lot. And they got the performance out of the defensive line that they got in week one. And that's the thing with Mike Zimmer's defense is they're going to live and die by that. And Now, one area where I am surprised is you know, Doug Peterson just watched the Rams misdirection the hell out of the Vikings and put up 38 points. Yes. And then didn't, he didn't do any of it. No, he did not. He, he did, he didn't, I didn't understand didn't their game plan. Stuff. I didn't get their game plan. Yeah. And and. Really surprised. Here's here's the the thing that shocked me. There, there were times on TV where you could clearly see that, that Alexander and or Hughes was trying to, trying to take Alshon Jeffrey, and mm-hmm. I thought in those instances there is a 100 percent chance that Carson Wentz is going to turn and throw to Jeffrey, and he really didn't. They did sometimes, but not a, a lot. And there there were opportunities. I think in the first half with the different personnel packages that the Vikings used to definitely do that. 
and they didn't. And I was really, really surprised because, to me, if, if you're going to go out and set a tone and exploit things, that one would have been or could have been huge. Yeah, and he got Hughes on the one down the sideline yep. and you know to a receiver that I wasn't aware of <laughs> before and you know at that point I thought oh this is going to be a long day because they're going to attack the inexperienced players and that's how this thing is going to go and it really didn't until the second half when they were able to get the ball to Zach Ertz and create some bigger plays there and you know that that is the one thing with this game that you know it's definitely going to be looked at as a great win the one that gets them back on track and, and all that sort of stuff but there has to be the side note of you almost gave it away and you almost gave away the 49ers game in week one also Mm -hmm. and came away just barely with a win there that you kind of got lucky. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, threw a pick six and then threw a couple more interceptions in that game. And you wonder if you're talking about these close games against really good teams that you expect to be in, they're going to have to play the Saints. Uh, Seattle showed you today that, yeah, they still have Russell Wilson, which means they're a contender. I don't care how bad the rest of the roster Especially is. Especially at home, probably. Right. And that's going to be a tough one. And guess what? Tom Brady's good again. Anybody see that coming? So, like, you know, if you're going to play in a bunch of these close games, I don't think that they've really handled them very well. I mean, the Rams game, obviously, they have a chance at the end, and they don't come away with that. They nearly give away the San Francisco game. They do not close out the Green Bay game, although that was definitely um, Danny Carlson's fault. But still, like right. the, they haven't given you reason to feel very confident in any of those close games where you know, last year you, you did when they went to Detroit and they had the lead at the end. You felt like, okay, this defense is going to shut the other team down, and that's going to be it, and they're going to win. And that's usually what happened. So far, I, I still think we're a little on shaky ground on these tight games. Two thoughts off that. What, one is, I think today's game is, it was ugly and at times not well played. Who cares? You won. Because it, it was a yeah. huge yep. game. And and it doesn't, it doesn't cancel out Buffalo, but it certainly helps out. Uh, my second thought is this. As I watch this league more and more, I came into this year convinced that the conference was going to be outstanding. I'm backing off that. So yep. so do you want do you want your team to play play with more potential authority if you're a Vikings fan absolutely but I thought week 1 I thought this conference is going to be an absolute bear and it's going to be incredibly tough I'm now down to it's still got good teams but it's not, but top to bottom I don't think it's going to be as tough as I thought 5 weeks ago when they started the season and the Vikings were playing San Francisco Matthew Yeah you know I think it's like still TBD because you know, the Lions have two wins, and you go, okay, well, they're only two and three, but they beat Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. So, like. Uh, but Mason okay, Crosby uh, just completely folded, yes. or else they don't yeah, win that true. game that's today. True. That's true. Mason Crosby beat the Packers today for sure. But, I mean, it, when, when those are your two wins, you're, you're looking at a Detroit team that is capable of playing at a very high level, and you're not sure which Detroit team is going to show up if it's the version against the Jets or the version against the Patriots. And uh, Chicago, I think, is very much for real, but I'm still not sure uh, whether Mitch Trubisky is the guy against the Bucks or if that's not really who he is, if he's, if he's not that good of a quarterback. And, and with the Packers, I mean, are, are they going to get some receivers healthy at some point here? Because I, I think that's hurting them a lot yep. in what they're trying to do on offense. And you know, Absolutely. They, uh, don't look anywhere close to a super dangerous 
team offensively, but you would never doubt Aaron Rodgers. So I, I think we're still trying to figure that out. And if you're in any of those cities, you're looking at the Vikings saying the same thing. You're still trying to figure it out because it's a team with enough strengths to argue as one of the elite teams in the NFC still, but it's a team with enough weaknesses to say, yeah, you're not even sure if this is a playoff team. And, and that's, that is kind of where we're at in the NFC with so many good quarterbacks. And even, you know, you look at going up against Arizona and it's like, that's not okay. That's not a very good team, but they've put in an exciting rookie quarterback and it's, it's almost like anybody can beat anybody in the NFC this year. Mm -hmm. And so now after this, you feel a lot more confident about their chances to get things back and going in in the right direction. But you also can't let the uh, foot off the gas here with these games that are winnable because they did that against Buffalo and got smoked. The good news is you could be the Falcons because the Falcons are an absolute dumpster fire, and I, I would not have guessed that in my wildest dreams to start this year. I wouldn't have guessed that the Falcons would be terrible. So it, it's weird because I think the Falcons are now pretty much cooked. San Francisco is cooked. So I, I had a list of teams that I thought would either be very competitive and or or really good. And that list has gone from being fairly substantial to it's still there, but it's not nearly as big now. Yeah, well, you knew that ACLs would ruin uh, some people's season. Yeah, you're right. San Francisco, San Francisco got their number pulled, and hey, if there was only a free agent quarterback who uh, had any ties to San Francisco that could uh, save the season. No? No? Okay. And who Shanahan um, loved? Coveted? Who's that? Her Cousins. Oh, that's right. Yeah, That was his no, guy. He, wanted, he, he told John Lynch, I want Cousins. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, Garoppolo, I think, is a really uh, talented quarterback sure. that could have made that team very competitive. It's just, uh, you know, the old ACL was a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now they're they're pretty much out of it with C.J. Beathard as being the guy they're trying to rely on. So you knew that somebody would kind of have that happen. You knew someone would surprise us. But, um, you know, aside from that, though, like Carolina – it looks maybe a little stronger than some people thought. But Cam um, today, man, he's still, I mean, some of those passes, you're just scratching your head with Cam. He, he can look so brilliant at times, and then he can make the dumbest plays at times. Yeah, yeah, and the, the way they handled the end of that game was classic Ron Rivera clock management, that's for sure. Yes, exactly. Um, but, you know, any time that uh, you run the ball with no timeouts, you're just like, uh, what are you doing there? And even their decision to go up six points instead of going for it, it's like how many times do teams have to get burned on that same thing for them to learn? That's where I would give Doug Peterson plenty of credit for the go for two move. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. It's, it's just math, boys. That's all it is. Like just if you miss it and you go down eight, you can still tie the game on a touchdown. Although, Matthew, if Sandejo makes that tackle, they don't get the two. Oh, I know. Andrew, yeah, make know. the play. And and two things. Andrew, make that play. And Eric Kendricks, turn around next time. Yeah, yeah. No, that, and I think that also was a really well-executed play by the Eagles also. Um, I, You know, two about Anderson Deho, another 15-yard flag. So I guess we could just write in a $50,000 fl- uh, fine and a 15-yard flag for every single game. And deserved, too. For Sandejo. Completely and, deserved. Yeah, I. I don't know. I went back and forth Silly. on it. I mean, it, it did look like he butted his head. And 
I mean, you know, when he goes up that he could have tried to make a play on the ball and instead it looked like he just tried to hurl his head into Zach Ertz's head and there you go. And then mm-hmm. they're not gonna get they're not gonna let him get away with anything because of the type of player he's been for a very long time. So, you know, I, I'm sure if you're him, you're frustrated by this, but at some point he's gotta stop playing like that. Or I mean if you're the Vikings, you wonder, can you trust him? Or is this one of these penalties going to cost you a game at some point, right? Well, you got and George Iloka, Matthew Keller. I mean, well. Might be why you have might, him. That, that might be part of it. I mean, one, one thing that's going to determine where this defense goes is just how long Trey Waynes is out for. Because I haven't heard mm-hmm. anything about, you know, when he could come back from the concussion. And they were able to handle it today, but... You know, if you're talking long term, asking Mike Hughes to carry a big load, uh, you know that, that might be pretty tough. So we might have to see more of those packages with multiple safeties and things like that. Um, you know, so there's there's still going to have to be a lot of um, you know creativity on on Zimmer's part, and I, I think that the real key is just what the defensive line did today. If they're going to win, they they can't just cover everybody like maybe they could in the past when they had Terrence Newman out there. Now it's going to have to be you know, you, you create pressure or you're going to give up big plays. And I will be really interested to see how future teams scheme against them because, you know, we saw schemes that worked and we saw a scheme today that didn't work the same way that it did uh, last year. Yep. And there really weren't even, there really weren't even that many RPOs. But it's hard to run those when you get down because then no one believes you're going to run. So, um, but you know, it's, it's, it, it's going to be really interesting to see how offensive coordinators adjust. Like, will they adapt their styles to look a little bit more like a Shanahan or McVay, or will they just go with their offenses? And, and how are those going to match up against the Vikings defense? Because what happened here today was not able to beat this defense, but I still think that there are plenty of schemes out there that are going to give them trouble. But it all starts with, I don't think that Jared Goff does as much or anywhere close in that game if he was pressured and today, being able to pressure Carson Wentz was such a huge deal right from the get-go. So the next four opponents uh, before the bye are the Cardinals, the Jets, the Saints here, and then Detroit here. Which teams t- take the Saints out? Because clearly they, they are uh, extremely good. But which of the three teams besides the Saints do you think have, have the most potential or ability to actually run a scheme that could cause this defense some uh, some problems? Well, I mean, both the Jets and Detroit are enigmas. They either show up or they don't, right? And today the Jets showed up and were extremely good. And, man, the arm talent of Sam Darnold is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But there but there have been a few games where he's totally off, and that's how it's going to go for the youngest quarterback in the draft who's a rookie and playing for the first time. But he made some throws today that were just like, man, Kids these days are making throws. So, you know, I mean, the same thing goes for – I don't think Arizona has much of a chance, but the same thing goes for Rosen. 75-yard touchdown today for Rosen. Josh Allen, though. By, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, Buffalo I comes never... here and wins, and we're shocked. So, yeah, I, I can't – I am I am now uh, past the, the point of saying Arizona, immediate win. Right, right. Same here. And, you know, I, I would say just for these next four that you feel like – you should get three. Agreed. You maybe, maybe you beat New Orleans. Maybe you don't. And maybe you get upset by somebody you think you should beat. But as long as you come away with three wins, mm-hmm. um, maybe a tie mixed in. Ties are so in vogue these days. But at, at least stop with that. Seriously, with, stop. If you, if you no more ties. No more ties. The next. If you want to be 
back in that conversation for the best team in the NFC that is not the Rams because they clearly are, are the best and most talented team. If you want to be in that conversation for winning the division, I think you got to win three out of four because the rest of the schedule, those final eight games, there's nothing given there. I mean, all of those are tough, and even Miami has shown that they're at least legit enough to win here or there or challenge really good teams. So, uh, you know, this, this next four games is kind of going to determine where this thing goes. So the Bennett uh, call on Cousins was, was I think we both agree, re- really questionable. And it's they, they might have even interpreted the rule correct, but that shouldn't be a penalty. But I will say yeah. this. I will say this. If we had been doing this show one year ago today talking about this game, the Smallwood touchdown pass in the fourth quarter would have been ruled an incompletion. And yep, starting correct. with And starting with the Super Bowl, even though they changed the rule and didn't tell a soul at the time, I'm just glad that they got that right now. So if you see a catch and your eyes tell you common sense, this says this is a catch, it's now a catch. It's not, well, he caught the ball and he took it to the ground, but then he didn't keep it through the ground. And so the, and so it's not, it's not a catch. I was glad to see that the Smallwood play was ruled a touchdown. At least the league has some sort of sanity on that call. Now that reminded me very much of Adam Thielen's last year in Carolina. Yes, which uh, you know, really, if we were going by those rules, the Vikings would have been fourteen and two uh, last year and been playing at home against the Philadelphia Eagles, wouldn't they? If that was mm. ruled differently, and you're right, yeah, that would right. have been a touchdown. You you are yeah. a thousand percent correct. Yep, because Thielen caught it. He had two feet in. He made some type of football action, and then. He juggled it a little bit when he went to the ground, so that would have been a catch. And uh, yet, when you look at that one today, I wondered as soon as it happened, like, will there be a challenge here? And the fact that there wasn't tells you a little bit more that people get what a catch is, I think. And you are 100% right that that's a catch. That's how I always grew up knowing it was a catch is you get it, you get the two feet in, you tuck the ball, and you got it. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, that's right. The fact that we're not playing what's a catch – is nice, but we're still playing what's a foul. So maybe quarterbacks just can't be hit. Yeah, like I don't get it. They they make up that rule as they they go, and so there's some that, that you see are questionable. There there was a hit on Wentz's knees that that was more egregious than what Bennett did, yes. and they didn't call yep. it. These guys are making it up as they go. I don't get the Bennett one because he's he's just got his legs and he's just stopped. Like he isn't he isn't bowling into his legs. He yep. isn't putting his ACLs at risk or anything. All he's doing is just holding on to his feet. So if he can't hold on to his feet, what's he supposed to do in that case? I mean, just like run away, roll away. He gently, he, he lowered him to the ground, Matthew. Yeah. He lowered him down. It was, it was a a precious moment between those two. And I don't know how that's a foul (laughs) when you, I don't either. You carefully, gently, Bring the quarterback down, and still you get a flag. That's that's where you have to go common sense, right? I mean, if the quarterback yes. is not at risk at all because he's softly being brought down, it's not a personal foul. I mean, I I forget how much did that play. I, I I'm kind of it would have been third and long. About it, okay, and instead it gave the Vikings, uh, I think, first and goal. That's right. Yeah, that's it right. was a big so, call. I mean, it, yeah, it ends up impacting the game, and you just sort of shake your head, and you, you've got to think that they have way too loose of definitions on these things yep. where they're able to just decide on a whim that that was or something else wasn't. And, you know, I mean, I, I watched some of the hits Cousins took today, and, well, okay, was that one too violent? Was that one, you know, a little too high or close to the face mask? or what? Like, 
geez, let let quarterbacks get hit. I mean, my gosh. I I, I will say though that when you look around the league, mm-hmm. one of the reasons that the passing is so crazy is mm-hmm. everyone's quarterback is healthy except for San Francisco. Every single quarterback in the league, and that right? was self-induced. The Garoppolo one was his fault. Right. He, like, stopped so, it weird, and, and if Garoppolo had, had run out of bounds and not tried to cut and stop, he's playing today. Yeah, that's right. And so even, you know, you go through all the teams, and there's probably 27 quarterbacks that you wouldn't mind watching play on a day daily basis on yep. a Sunday. So, I mean, there are downsides to this, but that's a major upside is that, you know, it makes the league more competitive. It makes the league more entertaining. I mean, even a game like tonight – uh, you know, they got Dallas and, and Houston going on. I mean, this isn't Manning versus Brady, but you're going to tune in to see Dak Prescott, you know, Heck fighting, yeah. right? So, I mean, I think the rule of thumb a, and Deshaun Watson, of course. I think the rule of thumb should be if you throw the flag and the QB who just got hit looks at you like, what the hell was that flag for? You shouldn't have yeah. thrown the flag. Like, Cousins yeah. like looked around like, right. I just drew a penalty for that? You know, I think that what they should be able to do is have, and they'll do this on some calls, just everybody get together and make a decision on those. If we're not going to review them, which, you know, you know, I don't like review, um, but if you're not going to review them for every single one of them, it should be what did everybody see? You know, because if it's just one person making a decision then they can decide whenever they want that that's going to be uh, a foul. But, I mean, today's most certainly was not. I mean, there have been some where I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but there are there are two that I am 100% sure of. I am 100% sure Clay Matthews did nothing wrong to Kirk Cousins. So, you know, it's funny that they have really seriously benefited the Vikings. I mean, two of them. Oh, that, absolutely. That it saved their bacon in Green Bay. Yes. That's right. That game is over at yep. that point. So yep. You get a, a huge break there. You get a huge break tonight. And I am certain that neither one of those two should be personal fouls. Do you because think there's no risk to the quarterback? Do Do you think that we see a Griffin post by, or do, do you think it's going to go probably for the rest of, of the year that he does not play for this uh, franchise? Now, I feel like I'd be pretty surprised to see him. I mean, after today's news from Adam Schefter that he doesn't expect to see him anytime soon, or that's what he's being told by a source, uh, I now would be also very surprised. And I thought that as soon as it happened. I mean, as soon as it came out, it was like, okay, well, you know, it seems like there would be a very high bar to clear for Everson Griffin to be able to prove to the team that he can come back and uh, be okay. And that should be, you know, their main concern is that they want Everson Griffin to be on this team going forward, I'm sure. sure. And if you try to rush these things, um, I am not an expert in any means, by any means, but I would say if you're rushing something like this it's not an ankle it's not a meniscus Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's something that could impact him for the rest of his life and um could impact if you're just thinking from a pure football standpoint could impact his future career as a viking and as much as i like stephen weatherly and am really impressed with what he did today uh he's not everson griffin so right i mean they 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 need to have him back if he's going to be in shape to uh, have a career again here going forward. Um, and so pushing him would be, I think, a, a very bad plan. And also, if that blows up in your face, you are talking about, I mean, talk, you know, think about the level of scrutiny, you know. And, and that's his life. Someone, yes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. If he, if he hurts himself or yep. if he hurts someone or what, a million different scenarios that you could get into, and you're going to be questioned 
up and down if you try to rush this thing. So uh, I don't think we'll see him anytime soon, but I have also learned, Judd, that I should never try to predict how these things are going to go with the Vikings. Uh, final thoughts before we wrap it up here. Well, just that they needed this. I mean, I, I wasn't going to say the season was 100% over, but if you came away with one win in five games, what are your chances at getting into the playoffs even? I mean, now you're looking at the possibility of, you know, maybe a, a 10-6-1 or, a, you know, something like that, 9-7-1, or, sorry, 9-6-1 or 10-5-1. This is where the tie gets you. This is where the tie yeah. causes problems. You know what, I'm going to go to Daniel Carlson's house and say, why did you do this to me? Right, Why exactly. did you do this One stinking out of three. But it was, you know, that, that they looked a lot more like the 2017 version. Yeah, things had to go their way. They had to get Linval Joseph at 18 miles an hour down the field for a touchdown. Yep. And that's how it's always going to be in the NFL. But um, th- they played more like we expected to see them play, and they're going to have to continue to do that or they're not going to consistently be a contender. But they needed this one so badly, and also for the belief. I mean, the, the locker room feel after today was not what this team has felt like at any time, even after the San Francisco win. Mm-hmm. I mean, it felt very much like themselves again, very much like there was an energy in there, and there was, uh, you know, I think an excitedness about going forward here as a team. And after the last couple of weeks, guys were looking around kind of shell-shocked after losses, and, you know, today I, I thought it was much more of the attitude that we saw in the locker room. And also it sounded to me like, from what he said, that Linval Joseph stepped up and had some things to say to the defense, and they really needed that. I mean, the with Captain. Griffin gone, yeah, I mean, who's, who's the guy to do it? And, yep. and Joseph is a very soft-spoken guy, and him mentioning to us that, that he stepped up and, and you know, said something to the guys about what they needed to do this week. I think that probably made a difference because he's a guy that doesn't talk a lot, but when he does, they listen. My last thing is this. We have certainly, and I think, been justified in questioning some of the things that this team did not add, but the quarterback move was 1,000% correct. The move from Keenum to Cousins was was worth it, and, and Cousins might have some problems at times being stripped of the football, and there, there might be some things personality-wise that, that you don't like as much with him as you did with uh, Case. But Kirk Cousins, this move, and as you, you talked about at the top of the podcast today, the throws that this guy can make, he can simply mm-hmm. athletically do things that no Viking quarterback uh, basically since Brett Favre could do. Yep, I totally agree. And, you know, I, I think that the, the whole point of talking about it like we did was that if you're paying a guy this much, you have certain expectations that maybe he's just not going to meet. But then again, so far he has, for the most part, met those expectations of just being overall spectacular. But, you know, when you watch Case Keenum play now with a lesser team, you realize, okay, you know, that's why they decided to make this move. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's a backup right now because of the knee situation. He might ultimately take over for Drew Brees in a year or, or whenever, but, uh, you couldn't risk a Super Bowl caliber team with that, and you see exactly why, and and you see why he signed here too. I mean, not you know that he yes. thought he was going to get a better. He's going to see. He thought he was going to get a better defense, but man, I mean, if he watched those receivers on tape, like who cares how much less money it was going to be than <laughs> New York? I mean, these 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 guys are going to turn you into a Pro Bowler if they could do it with Case Keenum, you know, making him a top ten quarterback in rating last year. 
this is exactly how we envisioned it, and that's how it's turned out. And, you know, if teams don't have top cornerbacks, they're just going to abuse them all day long. Exactly right. All right, so Vikings going to Philadelphia win uh, 23-21. Purple Podcast is done for today. Purple Podcast back on Monday with uh, Sage. Is that correct, Matthew? Uh, we're going to try to connect. i got to fly back, and okay. we'll see how that goes. But definitely Purple Live on Tuesday from 5 to 7, you, me, and uh, Courtney Cronin. Perfect. All right, we are done. Purple Podcast, uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Zolgad, Collar, have a, uh, have a great day, everybody.